Heads up, there's cussing in this podcast. Hello and welcome to the Pubhound Podcast. I'm Drew. With me is Rich Porter. Hello. Hello, Rich. We also have a special guest tonight, Joey Brown. Joey? Hi. Hi, Joey. Hi, Joey. Hi. <laughs> thank you for joining us. Sure. Uh, thank you also, Mike Denny from uh, Not That Kind of Beer Show. Hi. I just looked down at your shirt to make sure that I said yeah, it. Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm in my in-between like weight stages, so like the, the Dickies shirts fit well and just has my... Show on it, so let's wear it. In between <laughs> weight stages. Okay, cool. <laughs> All that beer drinking, it's the only... I completely understand. Yeah, the, only draw I got you. the only draw <laughs> was the beer drinking, right? Yeah. 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 Memory loss. Yeah, decisions. waking up on your bartender's couch. At least you woke up on your bartender's couch. Yeah, now. you could you wake Not up on your bartender's couch. Yeah, you could wake up in your bartender's bar. Yeah. <laughs> 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 we're going we're gonna to talk some more about Not That Kind of Beer Show. Uh, a little bit later. Um, we're also going to talk some with Joey as we move forward here. Mm-hmm. Um, Rich, Yo. to start with, what's uh, what's your writing life looking like nowadays? Mm-hmm. Um, it's more of an editing life at the moment. I'm uh, cleaning up some stuff. Uh, I've got a couple of submissions I'm getting ready to send out. Um, and then I've Still, still working on finishing up, putting the last touches on uh, the, our next forthcoming book, um, Jeanette by Jules Kubiana. The one that was featured in our last. That is episode. correct. That is correct. Yeah, we are very close. We've passed a portion of it off onto the copy editor while Jules and I finish some other developmental stuff, and we're finally going to get that motherfucker out there. <laughs> Which, it's it's extremely exciting because it's been a long time coming. Yeah, yeah, and it's an exciting book because Jules is a great writer. Yeah, so. yeah. I'm looking forward to get started on the uh, the graphics piece of it. Yeah, yeah, we need to get together with Aaron. Aaron Light, uh, I didn't pronounce his last, I never know how to pronounce his last yes, name, even though light. he's told me like 30 it's times. It's Light, it's yeah. Light. Uh, we need to get him in here. It's yeah. been a while. Yeah. Aaron's uh, a good guy. Uh, if you need a graphic designer... Aaron's your man. Yep, it's true. Yeah. Uh, so what, and uh, you're drinking some Little Helper tonight, I see. Yeah, yeah, Little Helper. Classic. Need a little it's, a, it's a really good beer. It is, it, it is. is. It's solid. It's a, it's a staple. It is, yeah. yeah. Mother's creates actually like a lot of staples. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you, they do. Just they're, some they're, extraordinary beers, and then just also just like good, like if, you, if you're kind of tired of extraordinary beers. Because yeah. Sometimes tried, you just want, you do. So yeah. You get burned out on just like, Get punched in the face with flavor. And just, <laughs> and I'm not trying to downplay a little helper. Little help is just a, it's a mess. Yeah. No, it's no, a, I agree. Good, yeah, it's a good little IP. And they're it's also familiar. local, so uh, you know, yeah. mothers, yeah. mothers representatives. Hey, if you're listening, come, <laughs> come, uh, come do a they, show with us sometime. They've treated us really well. Not that kind of beer show. So is that right? Yeah, that's come, awesome. Come to a couple of events. Mothers well, for their anniversary. Really great guys. Yeah, they and they have they 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 build relationships here in Joplin too. I know that. Back when Daniel was actually even at um, fuck that pizza place. Oh, um, Blackthorn. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not the Blackthorn. Oh, um, the other. Oh, no, he, they yeah. did visit at the Blackthorn. He too. was. Yeah, he started at the right. Blackthorn <laughs> and he was down at uh, the coach's guy. Um, yeah, I can't Rocco's. remember. Rocco's. Palace. Rocco's. Yeah, the Palace. Yeah, Rocco's Pizza Palace. Palace. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and they would come. Joey's shaking your head. Yeah. Daniel. I don't know any um, of these people. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. But they sound nice. They're, they are very nice. <laughs> There's a reason that we're called Pub Hound Press. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, I told oh, you. Oh, it's how we met. 
I believe it's how Drew and I met. So. Yeah, 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 I think you're right. Yeah. I think we met that was. No, no, we actually met via D and D. Quentin, yeah, Quentin and the Kaminskys, yeah. yeah. That's right. Holy cow. <laughs> <laughs> Some nerd, oh, memories. Some nerd connection. <laughs> That's all we have around here. I remember, I was like, I know this guy, where did we meet? Oh, yeah, man. Clinton, yeah. Yeah. I love that guy. He's great. I miss him. I haven't yeah. seen him in a while. He's down in Arkansas. Yeah. Yeah. For all those out there that don't know him. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Great I, guy. I, no Awkward silence. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know him either. <laughs> but he sounds nice. He's a wonderful human being. Oh. I wish that guy would write poetry. I know you guys, you know, the, he, he is a manic writer, and I wish... He would do stuff and actually let people read it because <laughs> um, he lets me read it and it's magnificent. So well, I'll start bugging him. You should. Yeah. And, and and we're not strictly poetry. Our our next <laughs> yeah, book is going to be short stories. Oh, nice. But uh, so yeah, we'll take it. We'll take anything. Take, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. We're game. We'll at least read it. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. And tell you how you. Could improve it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I won't be singing. Or there will be an awkward <laughs> silence. <laughs> There's that, probably going to be that, that anyway too. because yeah, that's just be, you know that's just how we do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, so um, I'm drinking this Aviator Gin that I just got today at, at uh, it's pretty at good. the liquor store. It's really excellent. Yeah, it's mm. very tasty. I love very gin. smooth. Um, so I do too. Yeah. Juniper we, and. Mm. Well, you're it's welcome to. Uh, you're summer, welcome to so have a refreshing. have a little taste of it. I don't have any limes or anything, it's, so it's just on the rocks for me. But no, it's, yeah, I'll drink it straight. So excellent. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, I think uh, do do we need to talk about anything else before we uh, before we jump into our interview section? Oh, that, that's typical. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's just uh, let's just pause <laughs> real quick, and then we'll come right back, and we'll start talking to Joe. This episode of the PubHound Podcast is brought to you by Not That Kind of Beer Show. Not That Kind of Beer Show is a blue-collar beer review program for the non-pretentious lover of lagers and ales. To get some light-hearted beer advice before your next trip to the bottle store from a couple of funny dudes, find Not That Kind of Beer Show on YouTube or on Facebook at NTKO Beer Show. Welcome back to the Pubhound Podcast. Woo! Uh, we're going to uh, we're gonna we're gonna chat with Joey here. Mm-hmm. Uh, All right. Rich, uh, Rich, take it away. Hey, Joey. Thank you for joining us. Well, thanks for asking me. Of course. How are the movies doing? Well, uh, they're doing pretty well. We actually, um, our old dog died recent, very recently. Oh, so we, I didn't realize that. Well, it was a long time coming, and it was time. She lived a long, long life, um, and but just three days after she passed away, our youngest dog had to go in and have uh, the surgery. surgery I, I knew that. I knew she had surgery. Which I didn't even know dogs had ACLs, let alone <laughs> have to have ACL reconstruction. Wow. Um, As a guy who's had that done twice, I, I sympathize with you. Does everything have knees? I don't think bees do. You just don't want to. I've heard Probably that. <laughs> you just don't think about your dog needing ACL reconstruction. And, yeah. and she did, and she's an extremely active dog. So the next six weeks were a living nightmare. Oh. 
because yeah, yeah. you've got to yeah. You can't and put a cone around all of her legs. No, and <laughs> we were having to like pick her up and carry her outside to pee because she was she was not allowed to do anything because she's uh, she's part boxer and and part pointer, so she's small but she's super strong. Yeah, which the vet said is how she injured her knee in the first place is because she's so muscular. Um, and it just she just got that more and more depressed. So that was kind of a that was kind of a nightmare. But she's back on her feet again, and so every everything. That's good. awesome, though. I would. I mean, I, lo- I love my dog, but I would totally fail my dog at that. <laughs> we, just, we, just, we basically all moved into one room. My husband wow. and I set up our schedules so that one of us for the first two weeks, one of us could be home. At all times. Wow, that's amazing. Um, and it's it's just been crazy. Yeah, we're those people who like the dogs come first. And yeah. I mean, honestly, if you have a dog, dog, that's the way it should be. I'm just yeah. I feel like yeah. a guilty asshole because you should look at us and go, God, they're so weird about their dogs. So if my dog gets sick, I can send them over to you. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. ACL. No. <laughs> Your I'm dog not, is I, not the same I, as her dog. Well, my dog had twice you really oh good job oh yeah so oh, wow. i know what you mean it's that's yeah, yeah. so it's, i almost failed that one that was bad well we're going through we're going through a thing now we're trying to find the right dog sitter so yeah. that we can actually leave the house mm. because we had for years our oldest dog and our youngest dog um they hated each other or, or at least the old dog hated the young dog <coughs> but if we weren't there they would fight mm-hmm. and it was not little sweet puppy fighting where you could just yell and it would stop it was knocking furniture over blood you know it was it was awful and i got bitten and actually got a fairly serious hand injury that's going to bother me for the rest of my life and then my husband got bitten well it's so my thumb doesn't work anymore i don't i have a lot of nerve damage i don't have a feeling on the inside of my thumb i had nine puncture wounds my pinkies all jacked up my goodness from it so if two German shepherds get into a fight, do not stick your hand between their yeah. heads thinking you're going to do that <laughs> you're not. They may love you, um, but they have strong yeah. jobs. Yeah. And then Howie, they got into a fight over a turtle one night, and Howie got bitten, and it just, it became one thing after another. Um, and we just, we didn't want to leave them with anybody because we were terrified of what was going to happen. Yeah. Like, it's one thing if we get bitten. Yeah. But if somebody else comes into our home and gets bitten by a dog. And you worry about, you know, are, yeah. you, are you litigious? So, are you? Right. <laughs> <laughs> and we kept having people volunteer to do it. And we were like, Sorry. no, you don't understand. Um, and so basically, we have not traveled together for the last two and a half years. So I, so I recently, <laughs> with my dog, I... I never thought I would become a client of a place called the Pampered Pooch. Right. But I, but I did, and it it worked out pretty well. Oh, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> buddy is What's the Buddy is a pain in the ass. It's it's like a it's like a like a kennel like yeah like okay. the, the aborting outfit like they'll they'll keep it for the day or they'll keep them overnight and it was pretty affordable and well we I don't think we could do that with our youngest though because she's she was all of our dogs are rescued and she was actually rescued out of a really terrible situation um where she was being forced to fight for food oh and she's she's got anxiety problems of all kinds my dog's kind of like that she'll she'll take this tiniest morsel of food from your hand or 
from her bowl and then go eat it by herself. Yeah, yeah. go eat it by yeah. herself. She does that a lot. But she's, like, if we leave, she gets terrified. And if we put her in the car to take her somewhere, she thinks, I don't know if she's, like, flashing back to getting taken to the pound or dumped out or whatever. But it's just, like. And so cars one, are not good. Cars me. aren't good, and the last when we, she went for her final surgery checkup, she like flattened herself on the floor, and it took three of us to get her off the floor and get her on the tail. Um, and so it's just it's like, and the, even the vets like just hire somebody to stay in your house. Like it's not worth what this dog. She's gonna have to be sedated. She's not gonna eat. She's like mm. just get somebody to come stay with you. But our last dog sitters that we actually had for years flooded our house. I remember oh. this story. Yes. What? Yeah. <laughs> they, flooded, they flooded our house. Um, as we, we, were, we were just about to come to the end of a remodeling project. And they were, one of, one of them was a friend of ours. And she had been my dog sitter even before Howie came along. So I'd had her for years. Um, and then she and her girlfriends team, teamed up and sat for I don't know, a year and a half, almost two years, we didn't have any problems. Um, but we were, I was at a conference to do a reading. Howie was actually in Vegas with some friends and we had each just left that day. Um, I get into my, re my reading, which was actually an essay about funny things that had happened while we were trying to remodel the house. <laughs> <laughs> and as I, as I walked out... That's a cruel, out, cruel irony. As I walked out, my phone rang, and it was Samantha crying, saying, there's water pouring out of the lights in the kitchen. What do I do? And I was like... Holy out of the lights? Yeah. They had left for school that morning and left the water on in the hallway bathroom upstairs in the uh -huh. sink. And we live right next to the water tower. Like so it's you have like real good pressure. So we have fantastic yeah. pressure. And they left about 7.30 that morning and came home at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And they had flooded oh, the entire oh bathroom, God. the hallway. It ran through the cabinets. The, wow. Came out the light fixtures. How the hell do you leave a faucet on? And we hadn't, yeah. we hadn't, we'd just put the floor down and we hadn't like capped it off. So the water came got through the ceiling and got under the flooring. Oh. We had to rip. They oh did. My. They did like twenty-seven thousand dollars in damage. This is my flooding story. Like, first date scenario here. I, I went up. You flooded a house. I flooded a house on our first date. <laughs> <laughs> and to this day, to this day, I've been living with my girlfriend for like two years, and I really, I will wait for her to go to work to poop. <laughs> because of this, I went upstairs. I had an upstairs bathroom. It was the only bathroom in the house. So I go upstairs, and like I, I think a rule was even then, I was like, do not poop on a date. I had to. It was like I got to the house to pick him up, and I knew I knew her dad and everything. So I was like, you know, I was just familiar with the family already. So I was like, I gotta do this. So I go upstairs, I go to the bathroom, and I flush, and it won't flush. Oh boy! And it oh. floods. Well, I don't say anything, and I just. I get my I get the girl that I'm dating, I get his daughter, and I, we go and well the bathroom sits right above the living room. Oh my god. Below the bathroom is their brand new like sixty inch like box, you know, the bit the old like projection TVs, you know, back in the nineties. Right. Yeah, like you know, several thousands of dollars. Well I ruined that. And you know, so, so, yeah, I mean, only a couple thousand dollars of damage and stuff.
You made well, me nervous. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm sharing it for some reason. <laughs> thank you, not You're sh- going to share it with like dozens of people. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah dozens. <laughs> I love dozens of people. I get zombie in front of dozens of people all the time. So I understand. Oh, when I let people know I'm on, you're going to get like two or three more. Awesome. Nice. Yeah. yeah. You, might get a, you might get one or two saying, hey, we're going to check that out. <laughs> and then never do. Yeah. 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 You know, Tony will check it out. Oh, good. Maybe. Good. <laughs> <laughs> he better. Yeah. Come Right. Does he already know the, the, the yeah, blood told, story? Okay. Do, no, he does not know that story. Well, oh, well, he's going to check it out. <laughs> just for that. It, so then yeah. he'll check it out. At least that portion, because I think we get the click regardless. Fantastic. So. Oh, well, that was a lot of not talking about poetry. I know. Uh, so, <laughs> poetry. I mean, to answer that question, dogs, the dogs are fine. Okay. <laughs> They're great. Uh, you, you probably see them on Facebook all the time. I do. They're lovely dogs. Rescue dogs are, in fact, the best dogs. Yes. That's yeah, true. that's what I have. It's, yeah. yeah. Our Jane is a FEMA trailer park rescue. She oh, was wow. abandoned in the FEMA trailer park um, oh, wow. a couple of weeks after it was opened. The post-tornado trailer park. The post-tornadoes park. trailer park. And then, like I said, Mary was... Um, <clears throat> Taken from a guy who was forcing his dogs to fight for food, and when we go, and when we got her, she was supposed to weigh about fifty to fifty-five pounds. She only weighed twenty-seven pounds, and that was two weeks after they rescued her. So she was she was really oh rescued, gosh. Yeah, like wow. rescued in a big way. So, but they're great. Yeah, we love them. <laughs> it's all I can do to keep my husband from having like ten. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is a hard thing once you start. Yeah, I, I you just you kind of accumulate it. I dare not go to the humane society or <clears throat> I'm gonna I have know, another I job. I try to give them money now instead of looking at the pictures. Yeah. Because yeah. then I just like whatever this one needs rescued. And we have we we try to go get black dogs whenever we can because that's yeah, they're the hardest ones. Which is, the black dogs I didn't realize that until I adopted my yeah. dog. Like there's prejudice against black dogs. Yeah. Which is weird. Same as black cats, I yeah, guess. Yeah, black cats too. Yeah. Which, I know with black cats, it's black like cats are like popular one, thing, one, right? Yeah, but, well, black cats are popular one time a year. Like, if you have a black cat, you need to keep them inside around Halloween. Right. Yeah, yeah. because otherwise people they will kidnap horrible things to it. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. What is wrong with humanity? They need more poetry. <laughs> they do need yeah. more poetry. Speaking of which, would you like to read a poem? Okay. <laughs> sure. I, that's a great segue. <laughs> killing cats. Poetry. Um, I don't have any about cats. Well, that's fine. Um, you have one about a dog that may or may not be dead. You know what? Watermelon? Um, I do have a couple. Of, in Oklahoma Agrippi, I have yeah. a couple of dog poems. It's... Do you care how long it is? We should go ahead and say before you get started there. That's that right. Oklahomography. It is available and you should buy it. It is an excellent collection. It's available on Amazon. I think mm-hmm. that's where I bought uh-huh. my copy. And I would assume you can get it through the press as from well. From Mongrel Empire Press, you can and order it And you online. should, if you can order it through a small press, you should always order it through the small press. They'll make more money. They need your way. money. Yeah. yeah. Or, I mean, yeah, or Barnes & Noble. <laughs> because yeah. we, we all get more money from Barnes & Noble than we do from Amazon. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Well, we don't. We don't. We're we're not on Barnes. And yeah. Because so. well, it's because we use Creative Space. Yeah. Yeah. There's probably. But that also space. makes our life easier in other ways. So. That's true. That's true. <clears throat> okay. Sorry. Go ahead. Um, okay. So this this is um, my dad used to manage a cattle ranch, um, and this is uh, a story. This it's a narrative poem, but it's based on a story that he told me 
about something that went on for months. This is called Dogs Come to Town. Legends of the spring, they started out a pack of four ranging around the trash dump east of town. They feasted on scraps, any old food they found, any manner of animal lesser than they. They had speed, at least one half coyote, all of them fierce, muscled, and lean. Beasts, they stood wolfing, wolfing sentinels over heaps of broken furniture, tin cans, and territory claimed. They snarled all comers down from the gates, foam and teeth like those of the devil. When enough people got scared, started throwing trash in the ditch, the sheriff took a shotgun to the hill. But those dogs, sensing the shift in the seasons, had long ago moved on. Across the highway and onto the ranch, fewer visitors, bigger game. They could smell it, my father said, when the heifer started birthing, so we kept an eye out night and day. At the station, Bill said, seen him in town last night, standing by the back door of the auto body shop. They turned on his truck, unfazed by the engine, silently took surveillance, absorbed by the night, if not for headlights glinting in their eyes, said he looked back when they were gone, no abiding wild dogs without fear. My father came upon them, already set on a heifer. They got the calf before she was even done having it. He pulled out a Winchester, fired once in their midst. The black and white one went straight down. When he put it dead in the bed of the pickup, even shot, it just looked like somebody's dog. Weakened by the loss, the pack broke down, every mad dog out for himself. Within days, they got one in the alley back of Strange's, one more on the highway off the ridge. It's what you gotta do when wild dogs come to town, kill whatever can't be loved out. Bill saw the last one, the half coyote, the leader in the switchgrass on the low pasture last July. He crawled with his gun, soldier style, mud caking his shirt while he maneuvered his way downwind. The breeze rocked the grass, lifted up the animal's hair, and he imagined he saw it breathe. But that dog was already dead, fallen, swathed in peace. Bill lay alongside, heart thudding like a traitor. Some things natural you can't do nothing about. <clears throat> so, there you <laughs> There's some rescue. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, should I have started by saying it's not a happy dog poem? They all die at the end. There was a, you have another dog poem in there that I was really enjoying the other day about the the, the the runners, the running dogs, or they're like they oh, the coyotes. The yeah, yeah. I really enjoyed that one. Yeah, that's another story my dad told, which is really more about. I mean, his, his version of it was really more about the men who were talking trash about the coyotes. I got yeah. that. Yeah. I got that, yeah. Um, because my, my dad kind of, you know, my dad was a very working class person. He worked in the oil fields. He built oil field rig equipment. He managed a cattle ranch. He raised quarter horses for a while. But it was always, you know, the, the dirty side of everything. And so he had a little bit of a an edge to him in regard to like people trying to act smarter than he was you know and he sort he, of like the coyote kind of like the coyote and so yeah. he he you know he would let you know that 
he knew more about things than <laughs> you wanted to give him credit for sometimes. Um, so yeah, that one, I forgot about that one in there. Gosh, I don't even know what that one's called. Uh, yeah, I can't, remember. I can't remember what it's called either. Actually. Yeah, this is embarrassing because I even just read it this morning while I was getting over my notes again. That was me already. You can sit and describe exactly what I wrote, but I can't remember contest. the title of stuff. Is that it? Yeah, contest. Yeah, contest. contest. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, at least we all shared that moment of shame. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, well, and I guess it's not a shame when the bullet doesn't remember the title. <laughs> right. Well, you got to remember these, these poems mostly were written nine and ten years ago. It's true. So, um, yeah. Cause but also, I mean, if, if you two, write, I mean, you guys are all writers. I mean, mm-hmm. can you recall what you wrote last week? Like, or you just wrote, like, you know, a page and a half or I something. Don't, I don't remember anything. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You write a nifty title for it. You write this whole big prose. I keep a lot like, of journals um, with where I, because a lot of times I just hear lines. I don't yeah. actually have a whole idea. Yeah. And I had two years ago start going through and marking things out when I use them. So I would so you use, so you so I would yeah. use because I, I just have a few things that kept resonating in my head. I would be like, oh, I love the way that sounds. And then I would go back and look and go, oh, well, it's in six different poems. Like, I can get back <laughs> that. That's probably not right. Um, well, it's a book of the same theme. That's not yeah. Fun. Well, and titles may or may not be that big of a deal. I, I don't know if they are for you, but to me, a title is almost like an afterthought. Yeah. Uh, for me, no, no. titles first. Titles. Titles the first thing for me. See, my husband's like that too. Like yeah, he thinks know. of titles all the time. I and wish we could just name our poems like people names, like Bob and Susan. <laughs> and I won't feel so bad when I don't remember them. <laughs> well, um, <laughs> that's good. I'm you know, I do. That. I do have a lot of poems because I'm. I'm actually a, a fiction writer. Really. Yeah. And so uh, almost all my poems are narrative to some regard, in some regard or another. Um, and I, I will get stuck on something and I'll write, I'll write that story out in like six or eight or 10 different poems. And so yeah. I, do, I have a ton of poems in this book, in everything I've ever done. That's this part one, this part two, this part three, because I keep thinking, you know, you know, the next moment of that story and I keep retelling it. So that actually helps. I just have to then remember, was it the first one, the second one, the third one? <laughs> so. Which that, you know, titling a poem by a name like Bob or Susan, that kind of alludes to your recent project. Yeah, right? the, uh, like, it's sort of your memory poems, right? If I recall. But um, but I, <laughs> 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 um, well, the, the, I have these poems I do call, that I call the portrait poems that actually I have always done. There's, yeah, there's several in Oklahomaography. And in fact, the suffix ography, one of the secondary definitions of ography is, uh, is a collection of portraits. And that's part of the mm-hmm. reason why Oklahomaography is called what it is, because it's supposed to be a collection of point, pictures of Oklahoma from a certain period in my life. Um, but Feral Love, the second collection I put together, has. 10 or 12 in there and then the collection I'm working on now um, which is called content subject to change because it is specifically about memory um, I'm trying in the in Oklahomaography they're either really direct portraits of individual people or they're like the stories from my dad they're based on memories mm-hmm. that he's told to me and the most recent ones I've been doing are I'm trying to do portraits of people I've never actually met 
that either somebody's told me stories or I have imaginings of this person because of one small detail or a name or something that's been told to me. Um, so I, I put them together kind of based on some little sliver of concrete something that somebody gave me secondhand. Um, that sounds yeah. like a difficult challenge. Yeah. <clears throat> well, I mean, it kind of is and it kind of isn't. Um, and <laughs> I mean, I cheat. Like, I have, <laughs> I have a couple of poems um, in there that technically I never met the people, but I did see them. Um, so, and I think you guys heard me read yeah, one through. recently. Joe, well, Joe, oh. my neighbor said. The one, I think y'all yeah. were out there reading with yeah, you that read night. Reading, yeah. So I actually did see Joe uh, from a distance of about a block, but I never actually met Joe. And so some of the details that I use in that poem about him having a trailer full of lumber, those are things I saw, not things that my neighbor told me. But um, the rest of it is stuff that he told me. So, it, so it's challenging in a way, but in a way it's almost easier because you kind of get to create these details that... Well, I don't know if that necessarily makes kind it easier. Like Liberating, because I mean, you, yeah. you, you, you almost like you turn that person into like this, I don't know, like a, a poem in, in themselves, you know, just, I don't know. I, you I don't you, create, you create yeah. your own character. And yeah. I, I mean, it, I, so I do it. People watch it, I'll just go out to the mall, whatever, you just need inspiration for a character and just <coughs> look at somebody and you're just like, well, Jeff, you know what I mean? Right. You know, Jeff has a trailer park full of wood. You right. know? <laughs> <laughs> you you steal from you, but it just, but you do that. You, you yeah. see somebody and you can make that, that first judgment. And, that, and like, that's kind of cool because you really can't do that and say, hey, after that. But but you can do that when you're just sitting there. Yeah, the, just the looking, facts can observing. really get in the way of a good poem. Yes, it can. Or a story. And, or, yeah, so, yeah. Um, which is a lesson I, I learned the hard way. I went all the way up until I was in graduate school working on my PhD before my PhD advisor said, he was asked, he was really grilling me one night in class about a story. And he's like, why is it like this? Why? And I was like, but that's the way it really happened. And he said, well, like, who the hell cares? Yeah. Like, that has <laughs> nothing to do with it. And it was kind of like my light bulb moment of going, oh. Well, poetic license is a term for a reason. Well, true, but I mean, I, it, it gave, gave me its fine. Um, <laughs> just, just some dumb there beer you, drinker just, yeah, yeah, there. You're perfectly right, but what I, I was going to say, for, for me it was like coming to well, understand the difference between facts and what I'm writing yeah. and the truth. Yeah. yeah. Like, I'm, yeah. Try, I'm trying to come up with real pictures of real people. It just turns out it may not be the actual real person I saw or that somebody told me about, but but concrete, that's sort of my key word, is like it has to be concrete. I'm not... Yeah, yeah you have to have yeah. some semblance of truth. Like yeah. when I, I write comedy and, and perform in front of people, if there's not some kind of uh, semblance of truth to what I'm talking about, then there's going to be somebody that's going to sniff it out and they infect every table. Yeah. yeah, and it, it just yeah. keeps going. You know, if, it, if it's not true, I've, I've I've gone up and done jokes that were not necessarily not mine, but just like jokes that just weren't true about me. Or like, for me, when I do stand up, it's like I have to do stuff that's about me and about my life. And anytime I've ever done anything outside of that scope, and some guys can do it, I can't do the the zingers unless it's about me. Right. You know, I can't. So yeah, I, I know yeah. what you mean. Just it, people sniff it out like yeah. quicker. You know, it's just. Like, I'm up here, I'm a fraud. 
right? <laughs> <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's a terrifying <laughs> feeling, you know, and I can't, yeah, I can't imagine putting it in a book and publishing it. And, well, you, yeah, well, like, oh and then, but when you do, yeah. you want but to make sure there's something that... At some point, you realize everybody also yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 You can do something on true, but you still have to have a, a solid basis, a, a foundation of truth. Yeah, absolutely. I know, I just lie through my teeth. It seems to work out okay. Do you? <laughs> so that was a lie. Okay. Um, but yeah, the, and the memory, the memory poems are not necessarily about the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, they actually came about, so I do a lot of the portrait poems, like, like I was saying earlier to y'all, um, like I've realized I only write certain kinds of things. And por- portrait poems are, are one of the things that I just keep coming back to. But the memory poems actually came up because I don't remember anything. To the, I remember to you the talking point, about this. The epiphany. Yeah, to the point that I actually started to worry a little bit because <laughs> like, I didn't really feel like anything was wrong, but it was incredibly curious to me. Like, Why do I not remember these things when so many people around me not only remember them, but they remember them so specifically and vividly and I have no memory of so many of these events I was part of and this is not you know drugs or alcohol or anything it's just I just don't remember um and so I started I actually sat down to work on another project that I couldn't get going so I thought I'm gonna look up this stuff about memory and find out if there's anything wrong with me and it just it became a a rabbit hole where I found out all the there are all these different definitions of memory and your brain different parts of your brain do different things with different kinds of memories based on how you experienced the experience in the first place and how your brain puts pieces back together sometimes it's like it chooses not to put yeah. keep certain pieces or put them back together you gotta, and you gotta find your trigger like what if you're experiencing a really good moment, if you know what your trigger is, do that thing. That way you remember that moment. Except I, I don't. That's the, that's the weird thing. Yeah. People have said that uh, to me before, and okay. I don't. Huh. Um, but I, I found out that I'm fine. Yeah. Right? <laughs> like I, Which is what's important. That's what's important. <laughs> I self-diagnosed myself from what I read on the internet. Right, I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I actually found out that I do some that I do something that um, a lot of people can't do, which is I I'm gonna say this wrong, but I experience hypnagogia or hypnagogia. I'm not really sure how to pronounce it, but... I have no idea. Um, well, here's you may have had this experience. So every now and then, sometimes when I lie down and fall, start to fall asleep at night, right, if you've ever had that conscious moment where you know you're like that far away from falling asleep, if you just let go, you could just be asleep. Sometimes like crazy, wild, really fast, super colorful images will just start almost like a kaleidoscope start going through my mind bang 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 yeah, I bang, call it bang. An anxiety attack it's not anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> it turns out it turns out and they just kind of morph one yeah. into another into another and um that's hypnagogia uh, yeah it's, i've experienced that without the yeah. rush of like oh my god oh right my. yeah but it turns out that's actually a version of memory huh. that um, where your brain is taking in all this stuff that you've actually seen through your peripheral vision or that 
that got into your brain, but you didn't know because yeah, you, you, were, you, you were you were you were busy else. doing something it's else. A and it kind of goes back through, and it's like reminding you of what you saw and heard, and who was there, and it puts pieces back together. And I do that really quite often, huh. which is unusual. And I can do it for like really long periods of time, like several minutes, when most people only do it for like two or three seconds, if they do it at all. Um, and so there are uh, there is a lot of research out now by these scientists in England who suggest that's actually a sign you have an incredibly good memory, that because you're not trying to remember things, yeah, you actually well, take. I've actually heard when you details. try to remember things, you're actually doing damage to those memories. Really? Yeah. See that? I guess that would make sense. If for you're me. just sitting there trying to, you know, as writers, I mean, you're sitting there trying to like just try to hammer this thing <coughs> into your head, like I gotta remember this, I gotta remember this, and like ten seconds later, like. What was that thing? Yeah. And the more and the more you think about it, the the further away it gets from you. Like it's yeah. just, you're just running and running after it. And well, that's yeah. You can't that's grab it. it, and then all of a sudden, like you're you're just like sitting on the pot, and you're just <laughs> not thinking about anything in the world. And you know, all of a sudden, you're like Eureka! I got it. You know. That's why I do my best makeup. Yeah. 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 The epiphany toilet. So you gotta make sure you keep a notepad yeah. nearby. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what Toby was for. I mean, that's on a roll. Like an ancient scroll. And, <laughs> but no, yeah, it's just yeah, that's a it's a weird phenomenon. Like, or you actually do damage to your brain trying to remember something, trying to recall it too much. I can imagine that's true because yeah. you know I I well scientists say it's true, so it is well, true, hmm. right? <laughs> I've heard that likened to if you go to a library and ask for a piece of information, and Rich, you would know this. Right. If someone comes up to your desk and says, hey, I need to know about X thing, and then you go look for it, and then a minute later they're like, oh, hey, Rich, I need to know about X thing. You're interrupting. You're, you're interrupting. Yeah, the yeah. same. So if you're, if you're constantly telling your brain, try to remember this thing, try to remember this thing, you're just interrupting the search process. Yeah. So huh. that I mean that's the way that I've heard that hmm. that basically that yeah. same thing. That makes sense. <laughs> I forgot where we're at. Why <laughs> It's up to you. Every point. Yeah. So that's how great my memory is. Um, so yeah, you do write a lot about Oklahoma. You're also involved with a lot of groups that um, are from Oklahoma, the Texas region. Um, you go to a lot of conferences in that area too. I, I was do. wondering if you consider yourself a regional poet, and if that's the case, like, what does that sort of mean to you, or you know, not only like personally, but you know, maybe aesthetically too? Um, yes, the answer is yes. I definitely consider myself a regional writer. I always have, like, from way back to when I was like nineteen and first started publishing. Um, and I had an editor in California refer to my writing as, your writing is so Oklahoma. And I was like, what the hell does that mean? Like, like what is it? But um, I write a lot about place, which is sort of the word I use. Like, I don't like to use like, setting because I think I'm after something that's greater than setting. It's something mm -hmm. sort of atmospheric. Um, and... I, and I actually wrote my dissertation when I got my PhD on place in Oklahoma literature, Oklahoma fiction by women specifically. Um, but sort of looking at things in an interdisciplinary way. So rather than just like how writers become writers through a study of language, but how do writers become writers 
through a study of topography, meteorology, geology, geography, ecology, and sort of like, because Oklahoma's got this very long tradition of kind of thinking that we do that in a way that nobody else does it, which I think may actually be true. It's the, it's the only state in which all ecosystems that are part of any part of the United States actually exist within the same state boundary. Mm -hmm. um, so there are 10 different ecosystems within, yeah. which is weird because Oklahoma is such a funny shape and the, the distinctions are so arbitrary and um, probably illegal. But, um, <laughs> the, you know, because of the little land runs and land thefts and yeah. things like that. And um, the nations. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it just so happened mm -hmm. that when they did that, they ended up with a little chunk of desert, and they've got mountains, and they've got swamps, and they've got lake country, and they've got all you know all these sorts of things ended up in the, those boundaries. Um, so the answer is yes, I do. What does it mean aesthetically? I'm I'm not really sure because it's not like it's I'm, not like it's just one homogenous. No, it's not. And though I mean that that variation is its own sort of aesthetic too. It can be its own aesthetic. Um, I mean, you touch on a lot of different areas within Oklahoma as well as outside of Oklahoma. You talk about Carl Junction, you talk about Texas, and you talk about the things that remind you of your home, too. I get the sense yeah. that where you grew up may have been Plains. Oh, yeah. Because I, yeah. you, like, so many poems in Oklahomaography have this weird sense of both restlessness and listlessness. For instance, like Meridian, Oklahoma, you have these boys like riding their bikes but at the same time they have like no energy and they're just sitting in a parking lot and they ride somewhere else and they don't yeah. even understand their own motivations behind what they're doing and for me that is definitely a plains thing you know growing up here in like liberal missouri where it's just like we have the prairie state park it's just right. flat and we did the same thing uh, i can't remember the title of that poem uh <laughs> we i used to do the same thing in high school where you get it would get evening and you would get in your car and you would just drive around aimlessly oh my gosh, my and jump hills I've ever, yeah, I've <laughs> and ever break been. your parents' cars. So. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> or in my case, my friend Brant's Mustang. Um, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I mean, but that, that poem is like, you say you're from the plane, but have you ever been in southwest Oklahoma in July? When they're the it's 110 degrees and like there's you want to be kids and be outside and do but you can't. You can't. That sun you'll, you'll is relentless. <clears throat> there are no trees. There's no wind. Um, it's really awful. And Meridian was actually um, it's a it was really a school district, but it's sort of like a little village. I grew up in a really small town called Comanche. Um, which is only about 14 miles from the Texas border. So the nearest big city to us is Wichita Falls, Texas. Um, and um, Halliburton, the oil services, major oil, it was in Duncan. So Meridian was halfway between Comanche and Duncan. It's a 10 mile stretch. Um, and it's basically a school district, um, although there was a refinery built there and they tried to make like one of those little company villages mm -hmm. around the refinery. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and of course it didn't last. Which is a wonderful poem about that too. Well, I actually, in a weird way, I have a lot of poems about that. It's just like the pieces of it, you may not, you may not recognize having yeah, not been there, not been that there, that's yeah. what it was, but... Um, because even I was too young in the late 1970s, early 1980s to really know what was happening, but I was living through the oil bust 
and my my dad worked for Halliburton, and all my friends' parents either worked for Halliburton or they worked for Sunray, which was the refinery mm-hmm. that when it went bust, like it went away. Yeah. And so, like there are mentions of the drill bit yards because you just drive along that horrible those plains with all the sun, no nothing, and you would just see these rusting drill bits just yeah, sitting by the side of the road, yeah. and the pump jacks. You know that would either squeak all night or they would just stop like for some of them stop for years um, and they just sit there these giant iron pump jacks like right outside your school or right outside your church or whatever they're just sitting everywhere and so I have like I carry a lot of that sort of sad feeling and I think because I was young enough I didn't really know what was going on like I picked up on the atmosphere or the feeling of it mm-hmm. so I don't really know the story I just know the feeling. And so the, I actually didn't have three boys in mind, but what's, what's really funny is um, a friend of mine, um, who is now a history professor at Oklahoma Panhandle State University, um, we first met when we were five, and he went to Meridian or Liberty, one of the other school districts, and, when we, and we didn't get together again until seventh grade. Um, but, the first time he heard me read that poem, it was actually the first time we had seen each other in person in like six or seven or eight years. And I got up and read that poem at a conference in New Mexico and he was in the audience because he was presenting at the same conference and he started crying because he thought the poem was about him and two of our friends and I was like actually I wasn't thinking about any of you but it's kind of about but it could have been all of you. Right, yeah. Yeah. but he yeah. was like that's exactly what it felt like like that's, that's awesome. exactly what that summer felt like and he was like that was pertinent I was like that's what I was going for I'm trying to capture an atmosphere that I don't know a way to explain in a concrete way it's really interesting to, to hear you talk about this sense of place uh, because I, I I read through this and I I tend to have a, a a very definite sense of place too like place more than setting kind right. of like you said but um, but I was also thinking like a lot of these poems are about going places and moving yeah. and that sort of lends me to think like well maybe like that sense of place is an important piece of identity that is maybe missing because you're in this you know for lack of a better word the flyover region and I feel like you know in Missouri we're definitely guilty of that especially in this corner of Missouri because we're close to Kansas City we're close to Tulsa we're close to you know St. Louis but we're not in any of those places right so the idea of going somewhere is ever present right so no I mean it's probably my first five or six years I lived here like every weekend I got in my car and just just drove went around somewhere. and I, I didn't I mean I didn't necessarily go to Kansas City or Tulsa I would literally just drive around um, and sort of like I felt like I needed to get my bearings or something so I'd always take a trip like I would drive to Grove to go to Sonic and get a coke and then drive back but I would always pick a country road or something you know and yeah. not take the highways because I, like I didn't know this place Mm-hmm. And so I didn't, I didn't bring the copy of the poem with me, but y'all heard me read at Polyphony, the poem, Orthodoxy in Missouri is about yeah. that experience of like trying to figure out what this place is, because it was not my place. Mm-hmm. But um, I figured it out after I'd been here about a year and a half. My undergraduate alma mater invited me back to be their visiting writer for a week. Um, and I went to Cameron University in Lawton, Fort Sill, which is way over in the southwest corner of Oklahoma. 
and it's about probably a 40 mile drive from my parents house and so I stayed I went down and stayed the night at my parents but to get to my reading in time I had to get up before the sun came up the next day and I'm driving across the plains and the wheat fields and like at one point a fox came running out of the wheat across the height and I'm watching the sun come up behind me and I can see the mountains in the distance and all of a sudden like I literally got goosebumps and was like oh, I get it and I realized that the whole time I'd been living in Missouri, I felt very claustrophobic because of the trees. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There are trees and there are hills <laughs> and there are winding roads. And where I'm from, you don't have any of that. Like you literally have wide open spaces. You can see the sun come up. You can see the sun go down. All the trees are bent sideways because there's nothing to stop the wind. And so the constant wind, the trees grow to a certain height and then they all start to lean over because they're constantly being blown over. And everything is really spaced out. Like it's, it still kind of freaks me out like how close the houses are mm -hmm. to each other in Joplin. It's, yeah. like, it's like, why uh, would they do that? <laughs> right. That's interesting. Like yeah. I've heard that Oklahoma City is one of the largest footprint cities in the nation. It is. It constantly so bounces out. back yeah. and forth with yeah. like uh, Orlando yes. and Los Angeles because they build out instead of up. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the thing is you can, but it's, you don't realize it until you, you drive 75 miles an hour across and you're driving for like two hours and you're like, I'm still in Oklahoma City. <laughs> I'm going 75 miles an hour the whole time. Um, yeah, it stretches out a long ways. Like more than a third of the state's population lives in that one city. Wow. Really? Wow. But yeah, I do. I mean, I do write a lot about Oklahoma and you mentioned Carl Junction. I lived in Carl Junction for seven years and Carl Junction reminded me in a way a lot of the town that I grew up in. Um, but I mean, I kind of like, I try to figure out place wherever I am. And so mm -hmm. that's always what I end up writing about. I mean, I, I, it's like, I guess I derive a sense of identity from it. And so when I'm not yeah. in my place, people can't see me making air quotes with my fingers on my place, which is weird because that's not my place anymore. Yeah. Like, I don't want, I don't want to go live there. Um, but I don't know that this is my place either. I feel like I know it better. And it's really because like my husband is not like if it's not on the GPS or direct, like he's still, he's lived here 10 years and he still doesn't know where anything is. Because <laughs> he had trouble getting here, actually. Yes, I know. He asked, me, he asked me on the way here. He's like, do you know where you're going? I was like, yeah. He's like, because it's on 4th Street. As like, a reminder to our listeners, uh, Howie, Michael Howarth, our guest a couple of podcasts back, yeah. is the husband. Of hey, yeah, and he just signed a new book deal. Excellent. Yeah. 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 He's um, been contracted to do a book on the 75 coming-of-age movies every high schooler should see before they graduate. That seems like a perfect topic. It's a perfect topic. Yeah. 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 I'm going to need uh, information on when that releases. Fall 2019. I mean, I can't remember the name of the publisher, unfortunately, but... Yeah, so he's watching. I think it's on his um, on his Facebook for the, his writers page. Okay. It's we need, a, it we, is. We're gonna need the Facebook after this. So. Okay, <laughs> sure. <laughs> if you don't mind. No, I don't mind. It's what you do. It's what you do. <laughs> this is how we know. Uh, well, so this has been a this has been a lovely discussion, but I think we're probably going to need to uh, press pause for a minute because we've uh, we're at our time. Uh, but uh, we're so we're gonna take a little break and. Uh, Get refills. 
probably. I'm gonna, I'm and gonna. Uh, yeah. and we'll be we'll be right back with our last call. Welcome back to the Pub Hound Podcast. We all have full drinks now. Some of us. Well, uh, I I went through half of mine. <laughs> Rich went through half of his during the break. Uh, but uh, so you can't see my thumbs up. Half and a couple. As a reminder, we have had uh, Joey Brown here tonight, the uh, the author of Oklahomography, a collection of poems that are actually a collection that is available on. Amazon and Mongrel Empire Press. And Barnes and Noble website. And, and if you're Barnes not going to buy it through them direct through uh, Mongrel Empire directly, apparently buy it through Barnes and Noble because they will get more money. Well, you would get more money. And I can do a play. I'm I'm going to be reading. It's going to sound like you. <sighs> yeah, I'm be do it. Reading at the Langdon Literary Review Weekend in Granbury, Texas, uh, the Friday after Labor Day. I'm going to be reading as part of the Mark Allen Everett Poetry Series at the University of Oklahoma sometime in the fall, date to be announced. Uh, Scissortail Creative Writing Festival in April 2019. And one other one, I can't remember, but you can follow my writer page on Facebook and it'll tell you where I'm going to be. Excellent. Yeah, and you excellent. should definitely attend any of those that you can. Joey is an excellent reader. You could also probably just email us through uh, pubhoundpress.com. And, uh, and Drew know, might actually, up. I won't, but Drew might, <laughs> might respond to you. It's true. If you found us on Facebook, though, Rich would take care of that. <laughs> Reluctantly. <laughs> okay. Uh, and also, we have Mike from uh, Not That Kind of Beer Show, which is a, a show where you guys go to bars and review, review yeah. beers. Yeah, we beer, we... It's a YouTube show. Yeah, it's a YouTube and Facebook show, mostly Facebook. We do we do publish on YouTube, uh, or most of our focus is on Facebook. We just kind of like have a, um, a no-nonsense approach to like reviewing beer. We do listen to so many beer podcasts that just they get into these nuances of like, you know, like where the hops came from, and we don't really care, care about that. When you're spending like 6 to $12 for a draw, like, you just want to know if it tastes Is it good? good. Yeah. Or does it suck? That's kind of what we're getting into, yeah. Yeah. It's, that's basically what the show is. It's kind of a it's a blue collar approach to uh, try and craft beer. Nice, so, yeah. nice. Okay, so well now we're gonna before we get to our last oh. call segment, I have a few questions for you, Joey. Okay. <laughs> oh, so Jesus. so you're Fuck from Jesus. you're from you're from Oklahoma, clearly. I am. Yeah. And so as far as I'm concerned, being a Missourian, right. Missouri, <laughs> and Missourian. Missourian. there's two there's two sports in Oklahoma that matter. And that's rodeo and football. Which do you prefer? Football. 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 Although I'm not nearly as big a fan of any sport as I used to be. But okay. I, I grew up around rodeo. My dad actually, um, he uh, corralled calves for calf roping. He did uh, uh, steer roping. And actually, my niece in law, Kylie Wiest is the number one ranked futurity series barrel racer in the world. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's an impressive thing. <laughs> niece, niece-in-law. This is My like niece-in-law. Your... She's married to my middle nephew, Jay. Okay. Yeah, Kylie Wiest, and she's, she travels all over North America racing, doing barrel racing. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. So you're probably also familiar with country music, though, right? Some. It's not really my genre, but you know, you can't help it. it so, goes. do you prefer uh, Garth Brooks or George Strait? Um, George Strait. 
a little help from Mike. A little help from Mike there. Although I would, I would go see Garth for the show. Okay, fair right? enough. Or, okay. or I would have like twenty years ago. I what mean, about uh, What about uh, <laughs> Shania Twain or Regan McIntyre? I've actually, I've actually seen George Strait in concert. You just reminded me of that, oh, like in the early nineties. I totally forgot. Well, that was the heyday. Few country artists are really loved. I forgot about that. I saw Trisha Trisha Yearwood open for him. Yeah, honestly, like in you know Trisha Yearwood, Garth Brooks is awesome. He's actually amazing. Like, like the first couple albums he did were just—they're really good songs. That's really. Good There's song. some really good songs. Yeah, yeah. 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 There's some good songs. I, I, but like the fact that he was influenced by like the '70s bands that were into the big show. Yeah. Like he, he sort of brought that to country. Yeah. Like that was. He really did. Yeah. yeah. What was your next one? Uh, my next one was. <laughs> Shania, <laughs> Tangents. Shania Twain or Reba McIntyre. It has to be Reba because Shania Twain is not a. Not a thing. Singer. Not a thing. <laughs> she's not a country singer. She's a pop singer. There yeah. you go. Okay, yeah. good, good. And I used to watch. So my dad was in, was into rodeo when I was little, and the National Finals Rodeo used to be in Oklahoma City. And we would go in December to the National Finals Rodeo, and before Reba McIntyre was Reba McIntyre, she was always there. She always performed there, sang the national anthem. So I saw Reba before she was Reba. Nice. Yeah. She used to barrel race, too. <laughs> See, did you that know? I was Okay, well, speaking Drew's of... Drew's pop quiz is finally blowing up his face. <laughs> oh, I, I think this is going swimmingly. <laughs> and, and, and pop quiz, pop music, the boys to men are in sync. Boys to men. Although, Good. although having taken voice lessons for years, I can tell you the fact that the NSYNC guys have perfect five-part harmony is sort of a minor miracle. Because that's like perfect five-part harmony is next to impossible to achieve. So I appreciate that, but their songs suck. Yes. <laughs> okay. okay. All right. That's, that's, that's a good place, I think, to, wet, to wrap that up. <laughs> what just happened? <laughs> I think we just had a survey of music from the 80s and 90s. So. I love that fat can be <laughs> All right, so, so let's go ahead and move on to the last call piece. Joey, why don't you start us off? Um, yeah, if, if anybody is looking for some contemporary poetry to read, I want to recommend a writer I just discovered last year named Loretta Diane Walker. Um, I had a chance to meet her at a festival. Um, that I was also invited to. Uh, she had, just before that festival, won the Phyllis Wheatley Award uh, for first poetry book, and she was stunning. Just the, everything was so raw and honest and just out there. Um, she is, her day job, she is an elementary school music teacher um, but she writes poetry and she was such a powerful voice and read with humility and she just blew me away. She's, you know, you know, sometimes when you hear poets who are kind of new to the game and they haven't done a lot of public readings, you're like, eh, and it's like fingernails on a chalkboard sometimes because people just are not used to dealing with a live audience. And she, I mean, she's read lots of times before, but... This was one of her first really big 
readings and it was just it was so beautiful and powerful and she told such very personal stories and she had a book out last year called Desert Light and I just started reading it just a few days ago and it's like I get chills with literally every single poem I read and just so um, Loretta Diane Walker I would I would look for her um, and I forgot what the second thing I was gonna say was <laughs> um, I had two things I wanted to say it's that knob creak we can yeah. let you come back it's, in. It's Bushmills. Yeah, I'll come back. She went with the Irish. Yeah, she's good on So I'm, I'm good. <laughs> I forgot. Okay. <laughs> um, well, I can go next then. Okay. If, uh, so so my, my last call is about charcoal grilling. <laughs> because a couple of weeks ago, I went into a local lumber yard and... I think they had they had built more display models than they needed, so they had a bunch of grills at half price. And I had been wanting to buy a charcoal grill because my gas grill is kind of on its last legs, and I've always sort of had this uh, you know romanticism about the charcoal grill. And uh, I wanted to get a Weber, but they're real expensive, and so I found like you know a pretty nice Weber for a hundred bucks, and which was half price and. Uh, I've only cooked on it twice so far, but there is there's a reason there's romanticism built up around the charcoal <laughs> grill because man, it just tastes so good. Invite me over. <laughs> <laughs> I will bring beer. <laughs> you know that might be a thing. Actually, I was I, actually I cooked on it last night and I was thinking about that like this because now I have both of them going. Yeah. And even though the you know the gas grill is a, is like all about convenience. Yeah. You know, yeah. but. There's there's just something that is just really beautiful about burning the coals and you n- don't know when it's yeah. going to happen, but at some point it's going <laughs> to happen. It's going to yeah. happen. When do, I, when do I close the lid and yeah. taper off? And what, do, what do I do? Where's the hot spot? Yeah. You got to find the hot so spot. Beautiful. Yeah. yeah, but then then, then it tastes so you. good. <laughs> can you? <laughs> you can help me eat the food. I am not a grill master, but I am a grill. Something below master. Journeyman. Just journeyman. Yeah, <laughs> journeyman. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm working on my I'm working on my apprenticeship right yeah. now. <laughs> well, I can help you. You can, you can bring it to my house. I have a giant swimming pool. Oh, there we go. See. This all sounds good. This all sounds. This good. is why we do podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> all right, who wants to go next? I can go next. Uh, just want to mention like. Like he says, before we do uh, not that kind of beer show, my uh, partner Tony, 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 Tony. We'll call him Tony because he yeah, insists on calling me yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. So his new name is Tony. I was actually doing really good until I had Drewby's uh, shot of gin. <laughs> I was like, I'm just going to drink this down because I always do shots of gin, and that was not a good idea. But, uh, uh, no, we do a, not that kind of beer show. We just kind of a no nonsense approach to, uh, you know, deciphering beers you know so that you can catch us on facebook and you youtube and uh, i also do comedy but i'm going to give you like a little a little um i don't know uh my my version of poetry if that's okay bring it on yeah, yeah bring just, it. I, I feel inspired you know, it's actually something i wrote a couple of years ago and i just it's it's one of the few pieces that i really like besides like telling my butt jokes um, I don't do date jokes. It's all butt. Is the poem about that? <laughs> yeah. So this is like something I really, I'm actually kind of proud of. I did a photo shoot for it and everything. Um, but anyways, uh, I'll, I'll give it to you now uh, without further ado. 
I follow the path of the old gods. I do not have silver and gold for your lust. I have only fire and water to sate your desires. I will fill your mouth with earth and wood. I will shower your heart in shadows of the moon. I will fill your mind with stars that light the old navigator's way home. I will bleed out your eyes as you carry out my name unknown. And while I carve your name on the base beast that <laughs> carries my burdens, everlasting and mortal, breathing death. And that's a terrible reading. <laughs> I need, I need He's had a lot to drink. I need, I need to have a professional reader. This kind of goes yeah. to what we were talking about during yeah. the break about the heavy metal. Yeah. I, exactly. That's, that's yeah, a heavy yeah, metal yeah. poem it's, it's right there. It's a heavy metal poem. Yeah. 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 It was a really, really weird relationship that I had after my divorce. And yeah, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's where it came from. So, uh, yeah. All right. I told you there'd be awkward silences after that. <laughs> Do you want us to, it's, like... No, you should. Yeah, should. Uh, All right, Rich, you're, you're last. God damn it. What are you going to talk about? I came up with any of this, and I, I, I still hate this segment. Because I never have anything. It is terrible. I thought this was going to be really good. I was like, I'm going to read this poem, I'm going to fucking nail it, and I did not. I just, like... Fumbled through like words. I said things wrong, and I'm gonna do it, guy. I'm, I'm glad you did though, because yeah. I made me think of the Witcher three, um, which is a great fucking game. And right now, Witcher, <laughs> yeah, the Witcher, the Witcher series. It's great, made by CD Projekt Red, oh, and they produce games the way that they should be produced. They take their time. Totally agree. They don't try to milk money out of you, and yeah. it's a great video game. Um, E3 is going on right now, and I'm really hoping we get a view of their next game, uh, Cyberpunk 2077. Oh, yeah, yeah. that's such a huge, like, so we, uh, we have two gamers in our midst. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Right. Well, I'm a <laughs> Cyberpunk. I used to play Cyberpunk. The yeah, the yeah. role playing game, yeah. yeah. And if anybody's going to take that on, yeah. it should be, uh, CD Projekt Red, yeah. because they take the really time. It's really excited about the Shadowrun game that came out, and it was really bad, and... So hopefully they can get Cyberpunk right. I think they will. I think those guys can. Maybe. Yeah, they can. Which is me is so. I mean, I'm still yeah. playing. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm playing it right now. Four, um, four years. I was playing it when Drew told me we were doing the recording. Like Friday, he sent me a text and said we're doing the recording on Sunday. Yeah. And I thought I should put down my controller <laughs> <laughs> and prepare. And hard. I thought. Yeah. I will just blow off that party I agreed to go to. I will renege on this party that I agreed to go to on Saturday because fucking I'm playing Witcher 3. <laughs> so, uh, that's it. Okay. I got nothing. Uh, and no. you're going to go home from here and you're going to watch the thing that tonight. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch Bethesda's, Bethesda's conference tonight even though I'm, I don't, I don't know how I feel about it. I, I don't know. You know well, they, they said I have yet to elaborate now because I'm, yeah, well, they, no, I'm a Bethesda yeah. fan too, but um, I'm also, as many people who are Bethesda fans, <laughs> yeah. we're interested in it because what they started out with was the Elder Scrolls. Oh, yeah, they said there's going to be two new IPs. That's the only one I know. The Elder Scrolls before they do it's the next so Elder Scrolls. Okay, yeah. And because they got tired of doing Elder Scrolls, Fallout, Elder Scrolls, yeah, Fallout. I understand. Yeah. And what they've been teasing since then has been another Fallout game. Yeah. Which. You know, it's fine. I like Fallout, but yeah. I really fucking yeah. like Elder Scrolls. Yeah. And if they're still going to have two I, two new IPs before that, that means we're going to have like 
three new games, considering the amount of time they take to yeah. create games. So, I don't know. Sorry. I don't know how I feel. Uh, when is that? It's tonight. at uh, It'll be 8.30 our time. Is well, you're going to have to get on the road. Yeah, you yeah. got to yeah. right. I'll catch up. Yeah. <laughs> because they'll go... Love but, internet. Yeah. <laughs> well, Bethesda, they... Uh, there's the publishing company, and then there's the game studios. And the publishing company, well, most of has other studios underneath them. What we were talking about was um, the game studios. And so they'll go through the uh, the publishing company stuff first, which oh. will probably announce a new so break. So there's, there's typically a like company that writes the software and then another one that... And another one that publishes. And the one that publishes... Which that makes sense, yeah. ...actually has other from, studios underneath yeah. it, including Arcane Studios, which made the... Um, which made Prey, we're expecting that would develop that. certain pieces yeah. of it. Yeah. Like they specialize maybe in like the. Well, different types of games. No, like the... no, it's it's different games. Uh, You're going to go another hour. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So we should probably go ahead and wrap this up. <laughs> hey, uh, cheers, everyone. Thank you for cheers. coming. <laughs> I don't have any beer in this. <laughs> <laughs>